Oh, Earth Alleluia. That's the Stop Shopping Choir. I know that choir. I've, I've traveled around the world with that choir. And they're singing the end of the world right at us, aren't they? Right at us. They're giving us that apocalypse, that, that final moment. <laughs> but you know, we've had some practice with that lately. We've had some difficult times, and we're a little bit tougher than we used to be. And we're ready to face what we know we are inside of those last days. But the solution is right here. I got it right here in my... It's, it's, it's uh, the solution to the end of the world, the things that make it possible for us to survive just a little bit longer, is coming to us from that same choir. Kind of a surprise. That same Stop Shopping Choir. Give it to us now. Solve this mystery. Let us survive. Breaking into public space. Now that's what we want to do today together. Let's try to do that. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? You would think that public space was already open for us. It's not. It's been privatized. What we want to do today is build public space not just by property lines, not just by our legal rights, but build public space around us by the way that we see and feel and hear and the way that we treat other people. Now, right now, out in those parks that we sing when we sing that song, Speaking Freely, Breaking Into Public Space, at the end of the song, when, when the choir is going, shout, 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 in the gaps between the shouts, then me as preacher, my job is to shout the parks where we have defended the First Amendment, where we have spoken out. A lot of the parks in New York have been places that we've sung this song. Marcus Garvey, Prospect Park, Central Park, Tompkins Square, Washington Square, Union Square, Times Square, Foley Square. We've, we've been all over with trying to make it clear to the police 
that we will shout. <laughs> Now look, we have a public space job coming right up. I'm talking here at the end of May in the year 2020 in New York City. And right now we're rioting in some of those parks here in New York because of the police murdering young black men. But we have public space to build around us. As that virus fades, maybe it's going to give us a second chance. What do you think? We're going to get, a, going to get a, another chance, another possible life to lead between apocalypses anyway? Well, when that happens, when we can be less than six feet apart, when we can take off our masks and kiss and hug and lock arms and march down the street, when that happens, the monoculture is going to be flooding into this town. The devil, all the big institutions, the religious, the military, the government, but especially the corporations, the marketing departments, the real estate people, they will just come flooding in here They'll send all the renters packing. They'll buy up all the small independent shops and they will just push us out and they'll turn us into, those of us who are able to stay, they'll turn us into obedient consumers. But, but we're not going to be obedient consumers, are we? Are we? Somebody give me a, a change hallelujah out there. No. No, we have an economy that's already started. They say, we're going to open the economy now. Well, that's their idea of an economy with the corporations leading the way. We have an economy happening right now, and that is, that is modeled after the caregivers. The frontline caregivers are showing the way. They're not just heroes. They're showing us how to live. And we have had a quiet revolution going on. A lot of cooperation happening around healing, around food, around transportation. People are helping each other. They're helping the elderly. And this is growing, and it doesn't necessarily have an institution attached to it. But it is growing. Healthy neighborhoods are building up. That's breaking into public space, too. I was just outside on the porch out here cheering at 7 p.m. in New York. We cheer for the caregivers. Thank you. Thank you for taking that risk. Thank you for doing the job that you do. Thank you for showing the way. We're going to have a healthy neighborhood. We're going to help each other out. A healthy neighborhood is giving, is seeing, feeling, trusting, allowing. Can I help you? Can I help you with your kid? Can I help you with, you got a job to do there? You need to jump a cable? We help each other. We give to each other. give a That's what the heroes have shown us through the years. That's the revolution. Let's meditate on some of the changes that have taken place through time. Amen? Here we go. I'd like to send up a gratitude prayer. To the, I want to call them ancestors, but some of them are walking around right now talking to us, helping us cross the street, helping us put down our iPhones, helping us fly straight up, 20 stories, 30 stories, straight up into the sky, the little highway above us of blue.
I want to thank the people who learned how to be witnesses to what was happening in my city, but did it by living participant observers who touched, went into, opened the door, followed the line of action, found a way to do it as a participant. Maybe they just used their narcissism as a lubricant to get in, but finally humbled by the life around them, humored by the life around them, taking the risk of being with the life around them. You end up in a bed somewhere, end up on a roof somewhere, end up in a car flying to Connecticut somewhere. I want to thank the living spirits who found a way to participate in what they were watching, to touch. They had to break through even in 1952, even in 1971, even in 1983. They, they had to break through a screen before there were screens. Oh, there was always something else, something, some frame dropped down in front of them by a corporation, by a Puritan, by a government, by a relative. <laughs> Somehow they leapt through that hoop. And they ended up in our lives, teaching us. They survived. They died. They lived. They told us all about it. Oh, participating observers. What kind of person does that sort of magic? I'm thinking of activists. Let's just say activists. Next question. How will you and I, in this time of the lifting virus, in this time of another chance as the apocalypse fades just a bit, gives us some daylight, we can go outside, we can take off our masks and collapse that six-foot distance between us. You're looking forward to that? Some of you are doing that right now, aren't you? Well, we must be activists now. And I think that we must be realistic about the violence that is leveled against us in this moment when we become free, the big institutions, the, let's just leave it at that right now, the big institutions, they have billions of dollars. They are ready to market, to intervene, to come into our souls, and to back us out of public space and put us back in front of the screen. We will be not participating observers, we will just be watching. I don't want to do that to you. Each of the ancestors that I'm referring to in that piece, participating observers, each of those activists in generations before, they faced the kind of thing we're facing right now. 
They had a chance to sing. They had a chance to put their bodies on the line in front of the robber baron's front doors. Think of Harriet Tubman bringing people from the plantations where they were owned. They were tracked across the land by people with whips and guns and dogs. They called Harriet Tubman the general, taking them through the darkness, down through the trail to the Underground Railroad. Through the darkness, the signals, the hiding in attics in people's trunks, the trusting of the right stranger, the counting on of the right friend, across rivers, over forested hills, out to freedom. Think of Walt Whitman, ah, same time period, going into the Civil War hospitals, caring in the anguish, the amputations, the open tents, the flies, the stink, the cries before people died, the boys, just kids, taking care of them in the glory of healing and in the passing into death, reading to them, caring for them. Now think of Emma Goldman, Emma Goldman escaping the Bolsheviks, escaping the people who wanted to kill her, overthrowing the Tsar, then finding the gangsters rising, escaping to the United States at the beginning of the labor movement, an anarchist, an earth lover, a woman, a Jew, giving great speeches in Union Square to the young women from Eastern Europe who were at their sewing machines, the sweatshops, calling that general strike, moving out across the land, meeting people, freedom fighting, and finally banned by the reactionary fearmongers of the United States at that time called terrible things, banned from our community, from our country, but rising up to right under the byline Mother Earth, bringing together human justice and Earth justice. Harriet Tubman, Walt Whitman, and Emma Goldman, revolutionaries in their time, if they were sitting at the table with me right now, what would they say? One of the things they would say is, you have your situation now as strange and earth-shaking as the situations we found ourselves in back in the 1800s, back in the 20th century. We have our time right now, and our participating observer activist ancestors are with us, but we have our own Pettus Bridges, our own stone walls, our own Fergusons, our own standing rocks. And so as we go out into the world as the virus lifts, and we can touch each other, we can hug each other, and we have that newfound power of love. Emma Goldman said, love is the defier of laws. Oh, yes, the molder of destiny. And we can make this decision about our lives, about our communities. We have our love, we have our freedom, and the monoculture just floods into up and down our streets, into our homes, into our children's screens, <laughs> and we, we have to find ways to resist this takeover, this fundamentalistic fascism, this technology, this hypnosis. We have to reach out to each other and look into each other's eyes and go over the top 
into the bullets. Oh, it is violent. It is violence. It is a war for our souls. We must be together now. Be original now. And go into places. Go into public space. Go into the private space that was manufactured out of our public space. That's more to the point. Oh, they will make their final invasion now. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be scary, strange, a bad dream. So many of us will not make it. The virus killed 22,000 of us here in my city. But more and more and more of us in this revolution for freedom, we will make the ultimate sacrifice. Well, I want to offer up now a Fiery Eagles selection. It is called, We Can Change That Bad Dream. I hope this helps. Let's go forward. Amen? change hallelujah. I woke up one morning and I realized I had this power to walk into public space. To break into public space. So I got dressed, I went out into the city. I wanted to test my dream. I came to a federal property, a federal building, and I walked in the door and up the steps. There was a receptionist there, guy. Hello. How are you today? I'd, I'd just like to... I, I don't remember what he said. I tried to be nice, but I just walked up some more steps and up an elevator and walked down some hallways. The federal building. It's all kind of brownish and beigeish and quiet. I waved to people. Increasingly, as I encountered people, they were looking at me in a funny way, I'll say. Put it that way. Funny looks. And finally I sat down. I was getting a little bit tired. I sat down in a chair. Maybe it was somebody's waiting room. I don't really know. Way up high now in the federal building. I looked in the window up above New York. Picked up a magazine. And I looked up and there was a ring of people around me. On their faces they had an extreme version of that funny look I was getting. And they were wearing uniforms. And they had guns. And there was... One of them was talking to me. And he needed to know what I was doing and what my name was. And I stood up and they jumped back. I said, you know, let me tell you something about this place we're in here. We all made this. All of this public property comes from our permission, our energy, our money. Isn't that interesting? It belongs to all of us. Let's go for a walk together. They didn't want to walk anywhere. And a couple of them had the guns out now. 
I looked up the barrels of those guns and I said, there's a look on your face now. And there are muscles in your hands. Muscles in your fingers. Clenching frowns. Clenching hands. Clenching buttocks. Tension in the shoulders. Staring at me. We own all of that too. I wonder why this has developed. I wonder who created the looks on your faces, those barrels of those guns. How did that happen? It's all ours. We're paying for it. We thought it up. Don't you realize? It came from some nightmare, I think. We made what you're doing right now from a bad moment. I think I was crying. I remember. I couldn't sleep that night. But we, we can change all of that. I'm dead now. They killed me. I hope my message flows out through the police, through the people that work here. Echoes up and down the hallways. It's all ours. And the bad part of it, the fear part of it, the hatred in it, that's ours too. And we can change our bad dreams. can change that bad dream. So this lonely character in that story we just listened to had a fitful night, didn't sleep well, had a bad dream, and then got up and walked all alone into a very bad dream that turned out to be deadly. But in the sacrifice, there is his hope that his invasion of public space, his breaking into public space, now claimed, now privatized, by official violence, that his example can go out through the storytelling that we all have. Sometimes it's secret. The signals we trade, the values that we teach each other. Even in those big federal buildings, people come out of there and they talk about what happened. They may have seen someone get arrested. They may have witnessed George Floyd in Minneapolis, killed yesterday by police. We dedicate today this church service today to George Floyd, who once again said, I cannot breathe. Breathing. Soon we'll take our masks off and we'll hug each other. We'll look into each other's eyes. We'll, our breath will mingle and our ideas, our imagination, our dreams, our revolutionary love will mingle. And we got to do that now. Oh, thinking of Harriet and Walton Emma our participating observers, breaking into public space. 
claiming that new freedom. Right now, we've got all these rich guys. They're having a battle. It's like Olympus. It's the gods up in the sky. We've got the Koch brothers battling Michael Bloomberg, and we've got Jeff Bezos fighting Rupert Murdoch. Well, we've got, we've, you know, democracy is not a fight by trillionaires. Though all those rich people want us in front of our screens. All of them want to abdicate public space because they own public space. And when we're sitting in front of their idea of public space, which is the screens, then in some sense we're controlled and we're paying them. And that's not what we can have here. Right now we've got to go back into the streets and parks. And it doesn't just have to be guided by live nation. It's no, it's us being free, being dreamers, actualizers, activists. And that may be scary to those people. It might be scary to us, but we're going to do it right now, aren't we? As the virus lifts, let's dedicate this next weeks and months to that freedom. It's going to feel strange. We're going to be called names, but we're going to be looking into each other's eyes. We're going to be together. Amen. We're going to be together. And when we are together, then we can be with the earth. When we get our ecosystem together, then we can be with, cohabitate with, the ecosystems that are of the earth. And we're going to say goodbye with the ultimate purring of the Amur leopard. We used to have a segment in a previous radio show called The Earth Wants You. Savitri D., the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, on the streets and on the stages. She's going to introduce us to this beautiful animal. Life. life hallelujah. That's the revolution. life hallelujah. Welcome to Extinction's Got Talent. Today, the Amur Leopard. The Amur Leopard is nimble-footed and strong. It can run at speeds of up to 37 miles per hour. This incredible animal has been reported to leap more than 19 feet horizontally and up to 10 feet vertically. It lives in temperate broadleaf and mixed forests of eastern Asia along the borders of Russia and China. Several males follow and fight over a single female. They live for 10 to 15 years and in captivity for up to 20 years. The Amur leopard is also known as the Far East leopard, the Manchurian leopard, or the Korean leopard. And there are, we think, somewhere between 30 and 50 of these incredible animals left in the oh, wild. That's amazing. And hear the sound, the territorial pant of the Amur leopard. <laughs> Hallelujah, the Amur Leopard with Savitri D. I'm saying goodbye now. We're coming to the end of our half hour. We want to thank all of you who have contributed the Stop Shopping Choir and the Fiery Eagles of Justice here in New York. We dedicated this half hour to George Floyd and the memory of Harriet Tubman, Walt Whitman, and Emma Goldman. We invite you to contact us through revbilly.com, R-E-V, Victor, 
B-Boy-I-L-L-Y, RevBilly.com. You can email us through the homepage. Say hello. Give us suggestions, loving criticisms. Give us your information. Join our offline community, Eartha Louisville. We're going to reach out to each other in new ways, like meeting in person, <laughs> taking off the mask and collapsing that six feet of separation. Let's uh, also collapse the distancing of the digitized world. Speaking of which, we want to thank Neil Young's website for featuring us on the Times Contrarian. That's nya.com. And we also want to thank Pantheon Podcast uh, broadcasters. The Pantheon uh, people are bringing us to the larger world. Thank you to Christian and Peter. Well, Earthaluya, we'll be back in the next week or so. Thank you for being with us. Amen.